Come on, come on, come on. Worship them, worship them. So I'll say it with her. Majesty, our King. Majesty. Lift your voice, saints of God. Majesty. Worship Him, Majesty. my majesty you're my king it all belongs to you I belong to you I present my body a living sacrifice today holy and acceptable unto you God which is my reasonable service I belong to you your majesty your king you're the resurrection and the life Luke says, but on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, denotes new beginnings, resurrection, new beginnings. And if you feel God dealing with you and you want a new beginning in your life today, the first day of the week, a new beginning, I want you to come up here and just tell God it's time. It's time for a new beginning for me. I'm tired of the dead thing. I want you to make me alive in this thing. Things that have been buried and dark for too long. I'm coming to you for light. Things that I've been tied up and wrapped in for way too long. I'm coming to you, resurrection and life. And if you feel God and you want to start that new beginning, even now, on the first day of the week, he said, the tomb was empty. Say, empty tomb. He's risen. First day of the week, new beginning. I'm going to make the altar open up to you as we're worshiping God. Start anew. First day of the week, resurrection. You can make your way up here and say, God, there's some areas in my life that I've been dead for way too long. Make me alive with your resurrection today. There's things that I've been buried in dark too long. Grant me light. Remove that tombstone things that I've been wrapped up for way too long, loose me and let me go today. Open altar between you and God. Come on up. Forget about your neighbor. Make contact with Jesus, the resurrection today. Dead things come to life. Dark things come to light. Tangled up things, I'm getting loosed and let go. I'm calling out to Jesus. Calling out to the Lord. New beginning on the first day, resurrection. New beginning on the first day of the week. On the first day, today's the day. Lord, raise up dead things in my life. 
Lord, the dark things that you need light in your life, come up here. Say, God, I need light. I might not be feeling dead, but I need some light and direction from you. And Lord, there's some things that I'm entangled up with, some grave cloths that I need to be loose from. Come on up. You make contact with the Lord on resurrection. Resurrection and life. When Jesus cried out with a loud voice, come on forth, come on forth. Come on forth. Come alive. Be loosed from grave cloths. Be alive. Some of you have things that you had a dream from God. A true vision from the Lord. And you felt like that thing died in you. Come on up here and say, God, resurrect this dead thing that you gave me. It's been a Lazarus to me. It's a friend of mine. And it's died. Raise it up. Raise up. That dream that you once gave me that I knew was you. Raise it up. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Jesus, your friends, those Lazarus in us, those purposes, those divine designs, those graces. Raise it up. Lord, we call for that Lazarus. Come forth once again. Lazarus, come forth once again. Come forth. Those divine plans, come forth. Those divine dreams, come forth. Those divine desires, come on forth. Come up. Resurrection means to be raised up once again. Be raised up once again. It might be dead. It might have been a long time. It might even stink four days, but God raised it up. Raise it up. Raise it up. Things that have been buried, that are in the dark, and that you need light on. Some of you need light. You need to come up here and say, God, grant me that light. Forget about your neighbor. You're here for the God to have an encounter with Jesus. You need light. You need direction in your life. Come on up. Call for that light, the removing of that tomb. Roll away that stone. Roll away that thing that makes things dark in lives here today. Bring light, resurrection, life and light to the areas of darkness. Areas that untangled up in, tangled up in. Come on up, get untangled. Get rid of those grave cloths, those dead, those stinking dead clothes that you're wearing. Get rid of those dead grave cloths. Come alive. Loosed, be loosed and let go. Yeah, put your hands together. The Bible says he teaches our hands to war, our fingers to fight. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. We're praying, you're praying, we're warring for breakthroughs. Come on, come on. Come on. Yeah, put your hands together. Come on. 
Why don't you turn to your neighbor and seize the opportunity? Some of you too shy to, some of you wouldn't obey to, but turn to each other and pray for each other right now. Say, if there's anything dead in your life, your relationship with Jesus, whatever it is, I want to pray for you that it would come alive. If there's any area, pray for one another. If there's been a stone rolled over and you feel stone cold and you need some light and direction, pray for one another. Say, God, I'm praying for that stone to be rolled away and that aspect of Lazarus to come forth. Pray for one another. If you feel bound up, tied up in the wrong garments, in the wrong clothing, pray for your neighbor, your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, and say, loose them and let them go.
close your eyes? Just seize the moment. Did you grab it? Did you call for it? You can be seated. Okay, if you put up Isaiah 52, the 10th verse. Isaiah 52, the 10th verse. Say this with me. Say, open tomb. Lord, open my eyes. It's an open tomb. There's an empty cross. There's an empty tomb. But Lord, open my eyes. Lord, open my mind. I know you are the resurrection. And I know that you've granted us resurrection. Open our eyes that we may see. Don't you know that that was Paul's yearning? He said, I make mention of you in my prayers daily. The God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, he prayed for us. That we might know the power of his resurrection. Amen? Say, I want to open my eyes. I know there's an open tomb. That's an established fact. Jesus has risen. Death couldn't hold him back. It's a divine fact. It happened historically. Some men don't believe it. But nevertheless, the tomb was empty. All historians record it was an empty tomb. Whether they believed he was raised from the dead or not, they said it's empty. The stones rolled away. Historians wrote that. Historians found the Shroud of Turin saying, what in the world? What kind of power burned this image? Science says it has to be something with a great light. Say, that's science. Say, he's risen. The tomb is, is empty. But God, open our eyes today. Open our eyes today. I want you to read this with me. It says, the Lord has made bare his holy arm. Say that with me. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the God, to see the salvation of our God. Say, the Lord is bare his holy arm for our salvation. The Lord bare his arm in the resurrection. Do you know that it says in the Bible that Jesus cast out fingers, uh, cast out fingers, cast out devils by the finger of God. Say, the finger of God. you got issues in your life in the name of Jesus. Just the finger of God will move that away from you. But he said, for resurrection, and on that day, he had to roll up his sleeve and bear his holy arm. The arm of the Lord. Say the arm of the Lord. For resurrection, he didn't just use a finger. He rolled up his sleeve. That word in the, in the Hebrew means a warrior. He came with the intent of a warrior to raise Jesus from the dead. With resurrection. Say resurrection. There's overcoming. Jesus said, I am, say I am, the resurrection and the life. Say I am. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. Don't you know John 1? You look at your Bibles all the way through the 10th chapter. 
He came as life. John 10, his plea is, I give you life. Zoe, say Zoe. And I'm giving you life more abundantly. I want to give you my life, the life of Zoe. I want to give you a higher life. I want you to have a life of vitality, a life of purpose, a life of meaning. Jesus, say Jesus. You came to give me life more abundantly. Not an empty life, not a nominal life, but a life filled with meaning and purpose. Abundant life. Tell your neighbor, he came to give me abundant life. John 1 through 10, the whole time, he said, I'm going to give you life in the beginning. John 1, John 1, the fourth verse. In the beginning, it says, was God, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that there was life in him. Say life. And that life lights up every man. Say, Lord, thank you for your life. We're not talking physical life. We're talking his eternal life, who he was. If Cain, if you'd follow me as I'm talking, go to John, John 1, 4. And then after that, you're going to go to the 14th verse of John 1. In him, let's read it together. In him was life. Zoe, say Zoe. Say abundant life. And the life was the light of men. Verse 14, Cain, if you would. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, say his glory. And the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Say full of grace. Full of grace and truth. Aletheia, realization. Say, Lord, you've given me grace and truth as well, that I can realize and have a realization of who you are in the grace of God. You've given that to me. In chapter 1, he's life. John the Apostle wrote, the book of life your name is written in. Not the book of knowledge, right? And John emphasizes Jesus is our life. And we went through it last week a little bit. And I'm going to go quickly and update us. 1 through 10, Jesus approaches every human situation with the life of God for a change. He said, I, I am life, but I want to get life into you. He said, you must be born again to the good man in John chapter 3. He said, you're good, and you try to keep the law, but I know you're tired, and I know you're condemned. You've got to have my life. You must be born again. Say, I must be born again. How many people in here are born again? Lift your hand. That's the first order of being raised from the dead. He said that we were once dead in our sins and trespasses, but God quickened and raised us from that. Say, I'm alive. First order of life. Amen. Chapter 4, he, he, he dealt with Im, an immoral woman that put all her heart into men. Amen? No satisfaction. He says, I'm life to you. Waters of life I'm going to give you. I don't care about your immorality. You've got to have my life. I've got to get it into you. I am life, but I'm putting life in you. You must be born again to have the higher life, the abundant life, a real life. Say a real life. And in John 5, he went to the man that was impotent and lame and crippled. At religion's door, we talked about that briefly, that he was stuck waiting for the water to be troubled and waiting for a man to put him in. Say, I don't need no water to be troubled. Say that. I don't need no water to be troubled, and I don't need no man to put me in. I just need Jesus to say, come on up, come on up, come on up, and he's bringing life to that man. The seventh chapter, they celebrate festivals. 
And the party's over. Jesus stands up and said, are you tired of your empty partying? Are you tired of no satisfaction? Are you tired of that solical appeasing? He stood up and said, I'm the water of life. I want to get life into you. Drink my water. Amen? In all of those chapters, Jesus walking, trying to get men out of religion, deliberately smashing days and holidays and all that thing, deliberately smashing with the passion of his heart in John 10 to come to his sheepfold. He said, I got a sheepfold. I want you coming in. I want you out of that dead religion. I want you coming in with life with me. John chapter 10, if you put it up there. 10, uh, I don't know what, what verse it is. Let's look. I'm the door. I think it might be 10. Let's look real quick. Where is it? Thank you, Jared. 9. Let's look at 9. 10, 9. I am the door. Say he is. And he says, he goes on, I came in that verse, I came that they might have, that you might have life, say life, and have it abundantly. I'm in John 9, he said, I want you to be, see, I don't want you to be blind anymore, but I want you to come out. They're going to reject you in religion, but I'm going to bring you into my sheepfold. That's his call. I am, verse 11, the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 16, I must bring them also. They will hear my voice. And they will become one flock. Say one flock. With, with one shepherd. Say one flock. One shepherd. Jesus walking all over the place. Getting men. Life. Say thank you Lord. For giving me abundant life. Thank you that I'm born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to take this moment. I don't want no one just to raise their hand because their neighbor did. But if you've never been born again and accepted Jesus Christ as your life and had that encounter with him i want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand to heaven and receive that life right now and it is written i see the hand anyone else already anyone else lift your hand to heaven but as i see the hands but as many as received them he says to them gave he the power to become say become the sons of god the daughters of god anyone else want to join them just throw your hand to heaven today's a good day for a new beginning you must be born again. It's the best thing that could ever happen in your life. You have the promise of heaven. You have the promise of the next resurrection. But you have the resurrection right now and the best life and endeavors you enter. Anyone else, throw your hand up with them. And we're all going to pray together. Those hands that were up, put them all the way up, will you, so I can see them again. I see it. All right. I see them. Let everybody put their hands up. And let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, you are the resurrection. And the life. I believe with all my heart that you died for me. And that you were raised again for my justification. So right now, with my heart, I believe that you died for me. And that you rose again. And with my mouth, I confess right now, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, you're my king. Jesus, I receive you and your fullness right now. I receive forgiveness. I receive eternal life. I receive a new beginning. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you right now. I am your daughter. I am your son right now. Thank you. Why don't we praise him? Amen.
Praise Him. Amen. 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 You raise your hand. Those of you who raise your hand, it's just the beginning. And you can come up to Arthur. He'll give you literature after. He'll pray with you. And a lot of you that have come here and gave your hearts to Jesus, the next step is water baptism. That speaks of death, burial, and resurrection. And we're going to obey him in that. If you've never been baptized and you want to be baptized, I want you to come up after service, uh, write it down, tell Arthur, and uh, we'll follow the Lord in baptism. Amen? Amen. All right. John 10, he says this. I must bring him into this sheepfold, this shepherdfold. His whole goal for those ten chapters was revealing himself as life, right? Say he's the life. And I want you to, we're going to start in John eleven twenty five. In all those chapters, Jesus was dealing with people that were hurting in death, trying to do good things and religious things. I, I talked to a, a, a young man of God yesterday, and he says, I'm getting it, Craig, I'm getting it. It's not about what I should do, what I think I should do. It's about Jesus Christ who is my life. His life is in me. His life will lead me. He is my shepherd. I'm in that sheepfold. I hear his voice that defines who I'm to be. And I said that, you're getting it, you're getting it. Your religion can't give you that. You don't follow that. Follow the light of life, Jesus in you. That's Christianity. Grace and life that lives within us, right? By experience. Say by experience. Amen? And journalize those things. And then the 11th chapter, he, he talked all through that about life and fighting religion. And religion got really angry and really kicked him out, you know? But he said in 25, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he started with starting verse 1. And, and in resurrection, he deals with a whole other problem. In resurrection, you see, he doesn't, he's dealing with his own disciples. He deals with them not about religion, but he deals with them about their human opinion. That's the biggest hindrance to the reality of resurrection is human opinion, carnal perception, what we think, what we want, right? And you're going to see Jesus. He said, I'm not dealing with the religious guys. They kind of kicked the blind man out into my sheepfold. I'm dealing with my disciples now today, and I'm dealing with resurrection. I'm talking to them about resurrection. And he changes the thing from life to I am the resurrection. And if you're taking notes, resurrection has dominion. Resurrection has power. Resurrection is different than life. Jesus said, I've got to get my life into you so you can live with me, by me. But resurrection is God's warrior. Don't you know that it says when Jesus was raised from the dead, it said that, the, that death couldn't hold him? Say death. Satan couldn't hold him? It says the grave couldn't hold him. Resurrection came in effect. Resurrection opposes the resistance of darkness, of death. Those things that died in our lives. Resurrection, he is. Amen? Say his resurrection is greater than the infirmity that I may be facing, than the affliction I may be facing. Resurrection. You are it, Lord, and you've given it to us. So he goes on in verse 1, he says, he says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. And you've got to see the shift here. He was, you know, Bethany is two miles away from the biggest Jerusalem institutional religion, from that big mega thing 
that huge thing that celebrated festivals and did all that outward thing full of gold, full of everything, but just no life in Jesus, empty. He threw a net and said, come follow me. I'm creating a one fold. I'm creating a new thing. It's going to be by my resurrection. And he says he went to Bethany. You know what that word means, Bethany, if you're taking notes? It means house of affliction. I'd rather be in the house of affliction with Jesus, who is the resurrection, than be in some huge temple talking about God and gold and celebrating a festival with no resurrection life. Amen? And it says, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany. I think I wrote down, I'm going to give you more definition. I think I clicked that Bethany here. Maybe I didn't. It means how to affliction. It means, it means something else like a date, fig, or, or ripe fruit. There's fruit in Bethany. Say there's fruit in Bethany. There's resurrection in Bethany. Though men despised it, just like Jesus. Don't you know that? Men condemned it, but God endorsed that he's the one. Men condemned it, but God endorsed it by the raising of Jesus from the dead. Amen. And he goes on, he says, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2, it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Say, in this, I want you to personalize that. Say, God, make me like Mary. I don't care if you're a guy or not. Make me a worshiper that will pour out oil on his feet. Make me that worshiper, that Mary. Make me that thing. I was talking to Carmen, and we were talking about a prophecy given to her, and that it says of Ruth that she warmed Boaz's feet, a type of Jesus. Sometimes you're just with passion warming his feet. Other times you're washing his feet with your heart and the oil in your heart and with thanksgiving in your heart for what he did for you. For he that's forgiven much does what? Loves much. Say, make me that. Make me that, God. Make me that. As we're going through this, make me that Mary that washes his feet. And it says that she, with her hair, Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent forth word saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And we were talking about it the other night, Beth and, and, and uh, Jimmy and Anna and myself, and uh, she was telling me a, a revelation that she got through this chapter. And listen, we're going to learn from this. No hindrances. Say no hindrances. Not with my opinion or my perception or my thinking, my wrong thinking. It's great that she sends for a word to the Lord. Lord, come on. Can you help? Lord, come on in. We send words to the Lord, but we don't try to manipulate the Lord. We don't try to tell him how to do it. Amen. Just send that call out to him. Say, Lord, your friend, my brother. Lord, my wife, your daughter. Lord, your child, my child that I'm responsible for. Just send out that word, right? But you don't have to tell him and manipulate him and say, you know, don't you love him? <laughs> you ever done that? Well, you know, Lord, this is my wife, and I, don't you love her? Of course he loves her. Jimmy told me, God so loved you that he gave his son. That's established. The love of God is established for us, whether our feelings are lying to us. Say, he loves me. That's established. He loved me while I was a sinner. Christ died for me. That's established. His love for me, whether I feel it or not, and sometimes I love feeling it, but if I don't, it's established. Lord, don't you care? Say, I know you care. 
That's established. He said that, yeah, he loves you. God so loved you, he gave his only begotten son. That's established. Say, your love for me, Lord, is established. Yes, it is. I can send that word, but I don't have to maneuver him by it. Amen? And she said, and he said, what? He goes, and uh, Lazarus, Lord, behold, to whom you are sick. And uh, he goes on, and he says, this, he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer. Say two days. She tried to move him, but he's only moved by the Father's will. Tell the Lord, I'm only moved by my Father's will. I'm not moved by my want. I'm not moved by their want. I'm moved by Father's will. I'm not maneuvered. I'm moved by the will of God. That means a lot. It says all over the scriptures, Paul, an apostle, by the will of God, by the plan of God, by the placing of God. That's an important thing, right, in our lives. We've been praying that, praying that for Tyler. By the will of God, Tyler, Heath, uh, whatever, by the will of God, placed there. Cole, placed by the will of God in this next endeavor. If it's not his will, we don't want it. It's his place and his will that's so important. Not what I want, but what he wants and desires. And it's the best thing. Amen? Amen. And he, go, he said he stayed two days longer because he's not moved by that. He was moved by the Father's will. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Let us go. Now, now listen, he, he dealt with the first opinion was, hey, if this is the one you love, I'm sending out a call to you, Jesus. This is the guy you love. Come on. Don't you care? Come on. He said, I'm not moved by it. I'm staying two days longer just because of that. I'm on step with God. I'm going to show you the glory of God. That's what I'm about. Not about what you want, but about his glory and his reflection. Amen. And now and he goes on. The next thing he deals with is his disciples. Say his disciples. And Jesus says, let's go now. Two days are over. Let us go. Say, let us go. When the Lord says, let's go, say, I go. When the Lord says, let's go, I'm going. I'm not waiting. I'm not excusing. But the second order, the disciples, number two, was Thomas, and they were fearing. Listen, Jesus said, okay, two days are up. I'm in the Father's will. I want to go now. Let's go to Judea. And the disciples, verse 8, or is it 8, 6, 8? The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Say he needs cooperation with resurrection. I'm not getting in the way, right? When he says, let's go, I'm not going to say, don't you know we could die, Lord? That's Thomas. You've got to find the humor in it. I know it's intense, but you've got to find the humor in it. Let's go. I'm afraid. We're going to die. He said, let's go. I'm afraid. We're going to die. And listen to what Jesus says. He, he goes on. They say, we're going to die. We're going to stone us. And he goes, are not there 12 hours I want you to get this. Are there not 12 hours in the day? Say this with me. If anyone, say anyone. Say anyone means me. Walks in the day. If anyone walks in the day, if anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble. Do you hear what he's saying? Do you hear the sound, the sense of the scripture? If you walk on my call when I say let's go, if you walk in my will, if you walk in that light in that day, if you walk in that right now with me, you're not going to stumble. Nobody's going to hurt you. Are you hearing what he says? He says he sees the light of the world. And he goes on. He says, 
But if anyone walks not in the night, say the night, they stumble because the light is not in him. Say, God, I, I want to experience you in that. Everything in my life, I want to know God by experience. I want to know him through his word by experience. I got to know that. Say, God, I want to know you by experience. And I want you to go ahead and, and experiment with what God's told you. I tell all these young guys, journalize it. You want an experience with God through his word, a revelation, light, his voice, his grace, right? Journalize it. Experiment with that. Write the day that he impressed that on your heart to obey that and then go carry it out and journalize it and say, yeah, you are spot on. This is what you did. Experiment with that. You go, how do I do that? Every time God talks to you, write it down, experiment, walk it out, obey him and see what he does in that. See if you're spot on or if you missed the mark somewhere. Say, God, make me a man of experience. And I experiment with that word so I could know it. And I learned by it, by experience. Amen. Journalize, journalize, journalize. Write it down. I remember that. I remember in a, being in a, in a uh, I took, I had a job. I took all kinds of provisions. I, I told the young guy that I went to, to a, a certain church and to go to a school there for a certain amount of time. And when I went in that city, I tried to take every job I could. But when I got there, they didn't want the church there. That church had grown with a thousand people there. And they were from New York, Miami. They were from uh, all areas around. And that local town that was small didn't want that. They say, hey, you got great resumes and I'd love to hire you. But why are you really here? You're from California. Why are you here? And I said, I'm not going to lie. I'll tell you, I'm here to be trained. I came here to go to this school. And they said, oh, and they get that face and smile and say, I'm not hiring you. I think you've got great credentials, but I'm not hiring you. I don't want that church here. I don't want that thing here. But you just stay and follow God. Amen. You follow him anyway, wherever he sends you, right? So I took every job and odd jobs. And, and one job that God blessed me with as a provision was I was over a, a trailer park. I don't know how big it was. You remember how big it was? 60 something uh, trailers now my job was uh to collect rent there from people to pay rent the owner uh was in, lived in switzerland and he called me up it was a godsend it was through one of my accountants from california and i was i was praying and we were out there saying god you meet all of our needs according to your glory you meet this this is either real or it's not and it, and it is say it is and he provided. He, he, the guy called me. He said, call me at this time. He's in Switzerland. The times are really different. You're in Texas. But we connected and we went to lunch and uh, we talked. And he said, I want you to collect this. And I, so I did. And so I went to there. It was one day that I had to, I seen a family and they were doing pretty good and trying to get on their feet. And they were pretty healthy. It was a young mom and a daughter and uh, I think one more, a son. I'm not sure if I remember that. It's been a while. But I remember that she was healthy and, and it had a good relationship with her mother. And then all of a sudden I didn't see her anymore. And in that place, I felt like, I said, God, you gave me that place. In that place was my Bethany. I buried dead people there. They, they asked me, I, I became a shepherd in that place. I, I buried dead. I, 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 I did whatever. Though that was just, that was a place of God. Say a place of God. And I collected rents and I remember going into that place because God placed you there in the will of God there. And I remember people calling, not just to pay the rent, but they're calling because their marriage was failing and they were fighting in domestic arguments. And I, I wanted to take the opportunity. And I go in there. I've seen them both give their hearts to Jesus in their trailer and said, if you cross this line, accept Jesus, 
your life will begin to change. And they did. It's to the glory of God. Amen. But this one time, this experience here, I'll never forget it. That walking in the light. Sometimes you are afraid to do what God told you to do. And I remember having to go there. I didn't see her anymore. And I said, what happened to her? And then I, st- I saw a glimpse of her. And she was around drug dealers. She, she probably lost 20 pounds. She, she looked, she had like that, instead of a, a nice complexion, she had scabs and different things on her body. And I said, I got to collect rent, but I got to collect her. And I, and I went to that thing. And I'll never forget God's grace. I'll never forget it because you're just obeying, say obeying, and you're walking in the grace and he told you to. Whether your soul thinks we could die there or whatever, there's drug dealers, you could get shot there, whatever. Whatever God's saying, you're going. Say, I'm going. Because you're graced to go. And he's with you on that. And I remember walking to that porch, and I said, God, you know, I'm following you, I'm obeying you. I knocked on the door, and sure enough, that drug guy answered the door. And he ugly mugged me. You know how they do. <laughs> they ugly mug you. What are you doing? He was, he was prostituting her out. She went from being a mother, lost her children and everything. He was prostituting her out. And I said, I came, and I said, God, help me. I came to talk to her. Yeah, he could have probably tried to throw a beating on me or whatever. But I said, excuse me, I came to talk to her. And I went right past, and he got out of the way. And inside, when you're in that thing with God, you're kind of happy. You're like, I'm so glad you're here. You moved out of the way. Nobody's going to take a beating or anything. Just walk. He moved right out of the way. And he responded, I said, I've got to talk to her. I said, what happened to you? I've been so concerned about you. What happened to your life? You're better than this. You don't got to live like this under this guy. I remember telling her that stuff. She began to cry, and she came out on the porch. And I said, come back. You've got to raise. Come back to God. Come back to the Lord. Come back to this. And she began to cry and weep, and her mom and all that got together again and all that. She did, he did pay the rent. They, they paid. I mean, you got to do the natural thing, too. <laughs> you got to do the natural thing, too. My boss said, you got to pay. <laughs> you got to pay. But I experienced that thing. I didn't have the fear of it. I knew it could be a, a crazy situation. But that man, even though he didn't know God, and he was dark, that pimp guy, no matter how dark he was, he moved aside for the Lord's grace. Amen? And I'll never forget that. And it, impr- it imprinted my heart. So I can obey you. I don't got to fear. I'm not Thomas. They're going to stone us. Don't you know? You take away a, a drug dealer's uh, prostitute, that makes them mad. There's no income. But he moved away. He respected Jesus. He respected grace, whether he was living right or not. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, just walk in that light. Listen, let's look at it with that light. If anyone, says anyone, walks in the day, say, I'm walking in the day. I won't stumble. They're not going to beat me down. I'm going to get the will of God done. That person will get rescued. Say, thank you, God. Whatever he's put on your heart to do, you could do it fearlessly. And listen, I'm telling you that because there's life on that story. And I pray that it imparts it to yours. I'm nobody special. It's not like I didn't have a fear or maybe I had anger. Maybe, you know, whatever it was. But God's grace was there. And that, and that was a beautiful thing. I'll never forget it. It's one of those things that I journalized. They journalized. God's grace is sufficient. You're not alone. And if you think you are, just put to the test what he said for you to do. He said, I'll be with you. That's part of the shepherd fold. Nobody can pluck you out of their hand. Once you're right with God, you receive eternal life, you're not going nowhere. He said, you're in the palm of my hand, and nobody's going to pluck you out. That's my Zion. That's my kingdom. That's my Jesus. 
So Thomas, right, he, he hears G the Lord say that. Obviously, he didn't catch the revelation of that. And he goes on and says, well, if he's asleep, man, why, why are we going there? And anyway, Jesus explains to him, no, man, I'm saying he's dead. <laughs> he's really dead. He's doorknob dead. I waited two days on purpose for the glory of God. He's dead. And then so Thomas goes, okay. And, and he goes on in verse 15, and I'm glad for your sake that I was not there and he, that you might believe. And he goes on, right, in verse 16. Therefore, Thomas, say, Lord, get Thomas out of me. He said to his fellow disciples, okay, let us go so we can die with him. <laughs> say human opinion. I can't help reading that and smiling. We have sometimes Thomas in us. And we argue with God for our own preservation, our own fears. Say things that hinder his right now resurrection. My opinion of his timing my fear of following. Amen? And as I'm saying that to you, I want you to drop them out of your heart. If you know an area that you have, say, Oop, Thomas, that's gone. Oop, Mary, that's gone. Martha, that's gone. And we leave out of this place alive. Say alive. Untied and loosed and free to serve God, to worship God, and live an abundant life. Amen? So Thomas said, let's, let, let's, let's go and die with him. And he skips down. I'm skipping down. He goes, uh, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found he'd already been in the tomb for four days. Say four days. See, to have a resurrection, you've got to have something dead. Tell your neighbor. To have a resurrection, I've got to have something dead. Something's got to die. And some of you came and you let things die in your life and whatever those dreams were and all that. And today you're saying, it's my resurrection. Say it's resurrection. It, today is my day of raising. Today of that thing to come alive once again. Today is that day by experience. Say by experience. I'm not bound by death. He is the resurrection. That dead thing comes alive. And I want you, I want you to inject that thought you had given me while I'm doing this. And I had a thought, a God thought with life. So I take them all. Whoever says them, I bring them. Just out of uh, Romans 8. Because we were just talking a lot about resurrection this week. But not just, you know, the, the factual resurrection of the empty tomb. But what does that do for my life? What does that mean to me? You have to ask yourself that. Yes, that really did take place. That really did happen. But you want it to be much more than an historical event, amen, but something that affects me, resurrects something in me. And so when he was, uh, when we were going over that, I went to Romans 8 because I thought about the scripture that says, well, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that's verse 11 of chapter 8. He that raised Christ from the dead will also raise you up or quicken you. So I went to that scripture and was looking at it. And notice it kind of has that qualifier, if the same spirit. Well, what's the answer to that? You must be born again. And then that same spirit does dwell in you. So I looked up the word where it says the same spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. And here's the definition of it. It means to waken or to rouse. And it's to rouse you from sleep. Have you been sleeping and you should be awake his resurrection is to rouse you from sleep, to rouse you from sitting. Have you been sitting too long and you need to be standing? Then that resurrection 
is to rouse you to stand. If you've been lying down, giving up, quitting, his resurrection is there to rouse you from that posture. It's to rouse from disease. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you sick? Do you know someone that's fighting something, that's battling something? His resurrection will rouse you from disease. It says it will rouse you from obscurity. You know, we have some things to say and some things to show forth and not be obscure and hidden any longer. His resurrection will rouse from obscurity, from inactivity, being inactive or complacent or just settled and satisfied is a huge enemy to your Christian walk. And so it'll rouse you from that inactivity when God has some things for you to go, some people to see, some places to go. Amen. It'll rouse you from that. All this, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. It will do this same thing in you. It'll rouse you from the ruins, from ashes. You know, the scripture says he lifts my life up out of a pit. So it'll rouse you from ruins. It'll rouse you from non-existence. You know, the scripture says when you get born again, you become a new creature. And when you look at the Greek on that, it's like a new species of being that never existed before. You go from non-existence now to being this God person, this God son, this God daughter in a different sense of what you're used to hearing it. So it it revitalizes you. But just think of those areas and that, that resurrection power will rouse you from sleep, from sitting, from lying, from disease, from death. I left that one out. That was a big one. Rouse you from death, even death, from obscurity, inactivity, from ruins, from non-existence. But then if you look quickly in the same chapter, uh, Romans 8, verse 32, I just want to touch on that. Because Craig was talking about God rolling up his sleeves. You know, Isaiah 53 talks about to who, who shall believe his report? To whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? And when he talked about it, bear his arm, I said, God was getting to, you know, going to work. When you roll up your sleeves, that's just kind of symbolic of I'm going to go to work. But look at verse uh, 832. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Now shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know, Romans 5, just a few chapters before that, talks about how when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He spared not his own son. When I was reading it, I thought, God, you were vying, you know, for our redemption, and you pulled out all the stops. And I thought, what does that saying mean? (laughs) I thought, it's got to have a reference to an organ, a pipe organ, because I know that those, an organ, a pipe organ, which, you know, those can be mammoth, huge instruments that produce a volume of sound unlike anything else but there's stops on there and that's how the one who's playing it controls the volume they pull out different stops so they leave some in but this is just something you know god he'll speak things to your heart and and give you a certain example to help you understand he says i spared not my own son i pulled out all the stops i left nothing you know undone to to go to you to make redemption and reconciliation and justification possible for your life so just think about that and i just have one more thing to share because like i said you want it to be applicable romans 5 verse 2 It says, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand. I love that. But we have access. And the word there, it means admission. 
So I thought about, you know, admission made me think of movies, <laughs> a movie ticket. You know, you get a ticket, it's an admission to go in and see the movie. And what if there was this movie I had just wanted to see so bad, you know, I just had been longing to see it. It's supposed to be this amazing movie. And so someone gives me the ticket. They give me the admission. I have free admission to go see this movie. But I never go into the theater. I have access by faith into the grace wherein I stand, but I never utilize it. So that just made me, me think of that. We have access. We have that admission into so great salvation. But just, just the grace by which you stand, don't just stop there. Keep accessing God for all the more and for the next thing. Keep entering. You, you have that admission to the grace by which you stand, that his grace is manifold. His grace is amazing. It's vast. So just think about all of those things. When you think of resurrection, how he pulled out all the stops for us, for me, for you. I saw something on, on Facebook this week, which I actually kind of liked, and it said, uh, it said, nails didn't keep him on the cross. Love did. And I thought that was, uh, had an impact to it. So anyway, that was it. I just want to say once again with those definitions of raising the spirit, the same spirit, it dwells in you. See, it dwells in me. The, self same, the one and the same spirit, the self-same spirit raised Jesus from the dead to rouse from sleep, from sitting, from lying, from disease, from death, from obscurity, inactivity, from the ruins, and from non-existence. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Inactivity. Amen. There's Marsha. You got anything you wanted to say? I, I saw you this morning. Your countenance was definitely affected with the Lord, like weeping and before Jesus. Is there something that you wanted to say on this? <laughs> well, you sing because you're happy. That's scriptural. Yeah? It's free if you want to come. Okay, you're good with that. Okay. Yeah, I saw you. I saw that. I saw that weeping and that change of countenance. That's a beautiful thing. Oh. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw that. That's why I wanted to make room for you if there was anything on that. I'm going to go over that definition Anna said one more time in Isaiah 52.10 because I don't want to miss the moment. I'll go back to John in a minute. See, I will. I really will. It says the arm of the Lord. And, and uh, Anna, we were discussing and talking about that in Isaiah 52.10. And this is what Barnes says. It says the Lord has made bare his holy arm. That is in delivering his people from bondage. This metaphor is taken from warriors who made bare the arm for battle. And the sense is that God had come to rescue, to the rescue of his people as a warrior. Will you say as a warrior? And it says, and that his inner positions, interpossessions or positions would have been recognized and acknowledged by all the nations. The metaphor is derived from the manner in which the Orientals dress. The following extract from Jowett's Christian research explains the language. Those, the loose sleeve, say the loose sleeve, of an Arab shirt as an outer garment that leaves the arm so completely free, say free, that an instant it left it can pass right, its arm can pass right and bare. It becomes bare. This is done when a person, a soldier, for example, is about to strike with the sword, intends to give an arm f full play. 
The image represents Yahweh as suddenly prepared to inflict, say inflict, some tremendous yet righteous judgment, so effectual that all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. The phrase holy arm seems to mean that God who would be engaged in a holy and a just cause. It would not be an arm of conquest or of oppression, but he made bare his holy arm against all unrighteousness. And Anna was saying it. It says this, who has believed our report, Isaiah 53, and to whom is the arm, say the arm, of the Lord revealed. That's the whole chapter. You can read those two chapters about the arm of the Lord and how he used it in resurrection. It's a powerful thing. If, uh, you know, anyway, I'm going to go on. So let's go back to John. Is that light all the way turned on? Or is... I don't know, it feels dark in here. <laughs> I don't want to be in a tomb. This is resurrection day, huh? Yeah. Okay. 17, so when he found him, he said he was there in Bethany four days. It says in verse 20, Martha, therefore, she heard that Jesus was come yet to meet him. But Mary stayed at the house. Verse 21, Martha then said, Lord, this is another opinion. This is another thing that maybe we're doing at times to hinder the power of his resurrection in our lives. He said, Lord, if you had been here, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. And, and that's the thing. Listen, I, I counsel a ton of people, and they'll get that voice. Who is that, Martha? Was that Martha who said it? Or Mary, was it? Martha, that voice of Martha, and they'll tell me in counseling or in marriages, they'll say, uh, all of a sudden they had troubles and their marriage was sick. It was sick unto death. And then all of a sudden the thing just died. And one of the, say a man or the woman, but one of the men, they get saved. And they, they, now they're following God. And I've had women tell me, and they'll go, Craig, it's too late now. Why'd they wait so long now? It's too late now. Say it's never too late. Say God's right on time. I've been in counseling with that where they, it had to be good and dead. And I've been there where they even killed their marriage. I mean on purpose tried to kill it. But he raised it up. He raised it up. He raised it from the dead so to speak. And he took that thing that was buried and cold and no love. And he brought love to that relationship once again. And he unraveled all the wrong clothing and the grave cloth they were wearing. Say, it's, it's never too late. It's the Lord's nature to recover. Say, recover. Restore. Reconcile. Amen? That's for every area of life. But I've heard that a lot with marriages. But he is the resurrection. Say, he is. Say, Lord, you're the resurrection over whatever that is I need. Over my marriage, over my backslidden kid, whatever that area is, you are the resurrection. And she said, you're too late. Say, it's never too late. Never too late with God. He's always on time. He's full of life and resurrection. He's always wanting to move and intervene. He's always wanting to show and bear his arm. Amen? And this is what she said. He said, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, you're just too late. I'm complaining a little bit. I've done it before in my life, but I've learned in 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. He'll what? He'll rise again. Say, your brother will rise again. He'll what? He'll be raised again. He'll what? He'll be raised again. He'll become active again. He'll be what? What does that mean? Raised again. He'll be what? Roused. He'll be what? Not inactive. He'll be what? Awake. 
I put her on the spot. Boy, I squeezed that out. Every ounce of God. He what? I don't know. I what? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I was going for. If you got it now, let it loose. He what? He raised. Wow. I had to put a tap on that brain. I could have never remembered that. <laughs> I tested you. You did, you did pass. Wow. I would have went like, um, um, <laughs> activity, <laughs> activia. <laughs> Everybody's got their grace. You know how it is. He said, you'll rise again. Look at your neighbor straight flat in the eye. Say that dead thing, that friend of yours, it'll rise again. It'll rise again. He'll raise again. That marriage, that kid, whoever, your body, if it's sickness, it'll be raised again. It'll become active like God made it. Your body will be raised again. It'll come back alive again. He'll restore everything that the cankerworm has eaten. He'll raise you again. He'll raise you in that place. He'll raise you again. Are you listening to me? That's God. And he said, your brother will rise again, Martha. Martha said to him, I know. This is another hindrance. Say another hindrance. I think it's number four we're on. Another hindrance to, rev- to the resurrection of Jesus and the life of Jesus is our mental doctrine and our mental knowledge of things. And Martha said this to him. I know that he'll rise again in the, in the resurrection on the last days because I know the doctrine. Say not on the last day. Today is the day of resurrection, not the last day. I'm so glad for the last day. One day we're all going to come out and be raised from the dead. Amen. On the last day, I'm so glad for that last day. But Jesus said, I want you to live in now and today. I want you to live by resurrection right now. Paul said, I pray all the time. I want you to know a right now resurrection. I want you to experience it. Amen. He said that. So Jesus is moving her as he's being moved. And every time I read it, I go, poor guy, poor Jesus, poor guy. (laughs) What headaches you get. And she goes, I know, I know the doctrine. And I'm a member of uh, such and such church, and we know all the doctrines, and we know this, and we know that, all by knowledge. He goes, no, no, not today, girl, not today. Today I'm going to tell you something. Your brother's going to raise again, and I am the resurrection. I'm going to move you out of your doctrine. I'm going to move you out of your mental knowledge. I'm going to move you out of that little bread box scripture that you read. I'm going to move you into my resurrection. I'm going to move you into my life. And he said, he who believes in me lives even though he dies. And everyone who lives believes in me will never die. Say, I believed. Everyone in here, I believed. I'm never going to die. Death couldn't hold him, so it's not holding me. He's the first fruits among many brethren. He's the first fruits. Death can't hold him. It's not holding me and you. Amen? Say resurrection. Yeah, right now resurrection. I'm not looking on the last days. I got that. That's a guarantee. I got that. When I die, I'm going to heaven. There's no if, ands, or buts. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Clothed in his righteousness right now. All I got to do is take off this skin suit and poof, there I am. I do this all the time to embarrass Danielle. Whoop, there it is. I do it. She hates it. She says, she says, Craig, uh, Craig, you better not call me that. She said, Dad, <laughs> she said, you embarrass me all the time, and I kind of feel bad, but then I had that moment, and I still did it. Suffer it. <laughs> suffer it. Just, just suffer it. Am I not free? Have I not seen the Lord? Can I not joke? I'm going to joke. She told me, you embarrass me. Then I, I go, I know. I'm so sorry. But no, I'm not. Did it again. Like, yeah, got to just be. 
I want to be free. You know, I don't know. I got to be me to do or die. What's the rest of it? I'm almost done. You can tell. When I start singing silly, stupid stuff, who sings it? Come on. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, I'm not, I'm not going to die. Amen? Say, I'm not dying forever. To be absent from the body is present with the Lord. I've already been fitted. Say, I've been fitted. Paul the Apostle said, I've been fitted with the heavenly suit. And when I die, I'm going to be in his presence because i got a, a robe of righteousness. And then I might hang out a little bit, and then he's going to raise me up with everyone else. Huh? That's Bible. That's Bible. Say, that's Bible. Yeah, because sometimes when people talk about the resurrection, Luke chapter 24, it's amazing. They started talking about the resurrection. The women went there to the tomb. And they said, the angels were on the, sitting on the thing and said, he's not here. Why are you here? He told you he lives. He's not here. They ran back and told the other guys, and it says he was raised. And it says that they were, the word is, um, they thought it was foolish, I think, or I can't think of the word, but that meant in Vincent uh, something, I'll read it to you later, that they were delusional are you delusional thinking about resurrection that's what they were saying and she said no he really has right all right and then he goes on this is what's cool with jesus all this look at you got to look at his point of view struggle with religion one through ten struggle with his disciples with opinion five heavy accounts but the whole time he's staying with it and working his will and his, his revelation to them. Amen? Say, thank you, God, for doing that for me. Let's go on here. And then they got together. Mary came and Jesus saw and they said, Lord, if you've been here one more time, I'm going to make you tired. And you know what he says in the next verse? Nothing. He goes, okay, enough. I'm just paraphrasing. Enough of this already. He was moved in spirit. Say he was moved in spirit. He was troubled. To me, I know, maybe he's troubled that he was dead, but I think he's troubled with all their headaches. (laughs) I'm moved in spirit. I'm troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews, last opinion we're saying, last opinion or accusation or charge to hinder the resurrection. See how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? It's another charge. Say it's a charge. The Jews gave him an accusation. Could you not do that if you said this? Could you not? And he's like, oh, man. He probably said he's Jewish. Oh, vey, again? <laughs> again, I got to talk to you? 38, he goes, again, deeply, <laughs> again, being deeply moved. He came to the tomb. Say the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Say he said, your brother's going to live. The stone's going to be removed. And Martha, the sister, deceased, uh, said to him, Lord, by the time it'll, it'll stink. He's dead. He'll stink. One more time, he said. He doesn't argue anymore. He doesn't try to explain anymore. But he said, didn't I not say to you, if you would believe, say if you would believe, you will see the glory of God. Tell your neighbor, did he not say if you will believe that then you're going to see the glory of God? And so that he removed the stone, and then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Amen. Just raise your eyes right now, and you do that, because he's your father. Say, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. I thank you that you always hear me when I pray, because I pray in the authority in the name of Jesus. And that there was a closed heaven, but it was open on the day that Jesus was there. He opened heaven. He opened the tomb, but he opened heaven for us to pray. Our Father... 
Our Father, thank you that you always hear us. Jesus opened that way. Yeah, he opened the tomb. Yeah, he opened the grave. Yeah, but he opened the heavens for us to pray and to touch God and say the same thing. And that we pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I got access. Hallowed be thy name in the Father. I have access to the Father. I have access to an open heaven. He didn't just open a grave. He opened the heavens. I got access to the heavens in his name. In his name, in his name, in his name, in his name. Give him glory. Our Father who art in heaven, in his name, in his name. We got an open tomb, an open heaven, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Father, open grave, open heaven because of Jesus. All of heaven was shut and closed and like iron and like steel. But then he came out of the water and he began to pray. Our Father, and heaven opened, it said. It's open from that day on. It's open to you. Tell your neighbor, it's open to you. Heaven's open to you. Heaven's open to me so I can pray. Father, I thank you that you heard me already. I know that you always hear me. Thank you that you heard me. Thank you that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it. Yes, yes, yes. So that they may believe that I'm sent by you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you that you always hear me when I pray. Say that with me. Thank you, Father. Jesus made a way that you always hear me when I pray. Jesus opened heaven. He opened tombs, but he opened heaven. That I can call in the name of the Father, in the name of the authority of Jesus. And you always hear me when I pray. Blessed be your name. Blessed be his name. Blessed be his name. Lift your hands to him and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that I have access. Thank you that I have an open heaven. Thank you that I can call on your name. And you always hear me and you always answer me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I pray with this manner of prayer. Oh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from every evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord, move. Move, move in hearts. Open heaven. Yeah, open tomb. But you're on this open heaven. You're on this open heaven. Yeah, we talk all day, but one moment, a suddenly of God, that you begin to unfold and impart. An open heaven is given to us. An open heaven is given to us. Matter of fact, act on it. Pray a prayer. Pray right now, whatever you have need of, that heaven's open to you. And pray that need, whatever it is, a job, whatever it is, a right standing with God, whatever it is, a healing. When there's an open heaven, we're acting. Go to your neighbor and pray. Say, Father, the heaven's open because of Jesus. And you hear me on this prayer. Pray right now. Father, you're heaven. You always hear me. Grab, grab her hand. Grab her hand. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, open heaven. In the Father's, in the Father, we approach, and you always hear us for Gloria, your daughter. And Lord, we command her eye to be healed by the authority in the name of Jesus. We command that pupil to be reduced to a trifle size in the name of Jesus. You always hear us when we pray. We have an open heaven. 
And you answer our prayers right now in a real way. Touch, heal, and make it real in our body right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship Him. Amen? Stand to your feet and just give Him thanks that you can pray and that He hears you.
Amen. Put your hands together, will you, and just bless them. Bless you, Lord. Bless you. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. Hallelujah to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Be high and lifted up. 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 Amen. 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 You can be seated real quick. And I'm going to skip over a lot of things. And the good news, and after all these issues in 12th chapter, you read it at home. It says that after he was raised from the dead, after all those things happened in our lives, that we become that testimony for Jesus. Everything that you went through, every test, everything you went through, you become that testimony for Jesus. The fruit of that. They all went through that pain. But he was raised, right? In the 12th chapter in Jesus, in the six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany. And listen, where Lazarus was, where Lazarus was alive, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So that he made a supper there. And they had fellowship there, right? Say, Jesus was there. Lazarus was testifying there. They were having supper and communion together there. And Martha, she was serving, not getting in the way. She was doing the God thing. She was serving there. But Lazarus, one of those, he was reclining at the table with Jesus. And then Mary took a pound of costly perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus. Say, she was worshiping there. And the fragrance filled the house. It filled the house. Say, His resurrection causes me to be able to testify. Causes me to be able to serve. Causes me to be able to worship and change the atmosphere with a beautiful aroma. With everyone saying, Lord Jesus, we love you, we love you, we love you. You are our resurrection. And we have a right now one from you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Quickens and restores our mortal bodies. We have the vision of your resurrection. That what Paul says, cause us to count everything as loss. Cause us to be willing to suffer all things. For your now resurrection. Amen. Amen. Hug one another. Bless one another. Like even now, that means move. <laughs> that means move. Amen. Hug each other. Love each other. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank Him. One more time. Just bless Him for His blast of His, his nostrils, the blast of His love and His presence in this house. Bless Him. Bless Him. Bless Him. Bless them, bless them, bless them. Put your hands together like you mean it. Come on, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. You can do better than that. Thank him. Thank him for raising things up. Thank him for his love and his life. Thank him for health and vitality. Thank you for healing by the power of his resurrection. Amen. Amen. Craig started out just 
came, he, he made a statement that just pricked my heart. And that was, usually on this day they talk about the empty tomb, but he said there was an empty cross. And the deliverance of our sin from the empty cross. Because it was on the cross that he said, it is finished. And it is finished in my, in my sin life. It is finished in your sin life. It is finished. It is done. Everything that he was going to do, he did. On the cross by dying. And so therefore starts the new, the resurrection power of God in your life. So Satan will come and try and tell you about your sin life. Don't buy it. Tell him, I'm forgiven. It is finished. But I'm going to live my life to God. I'm going to be a resurrected man, and I'm going to live my life to God each and every day.